A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. The willing is ready at hand, but doing the good is not. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me. So then, I discover the principle that when I want to do right, evil is at hand. For I take delight in the law of God, in my inner self, but I see in my members another principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Miserable one that I am, who will deliver me from this mortal body? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. What a remarkable pair of readings we have today. The very important first reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans gives, in a sense, a reality check to everything that we've been talking about over the last several days. That bold and great call and claim of the gospel. And now note what St. Paul says. After spending days saying, don't surrender to the needs of the flesh, it takes you to death. Don't do this. Choose the better way. What does he say today? You know, and not for nothing, but I choose the better way and I still don't get there. And that likely sounds very familiar to every single one of us. This reality that we run up against inside ourselves. St. Paul could be speaking for any one of us when he says, it's not that I don't want to do the good. It's not that I don't desire to be better. And as soon as I set my heart on being better and doing the good, I'm a train wreck. And something else wakes up inside of me and pulls me off course even though I don't want to go there. He, in such moving terms, speaks of that divided, misdirected, fractious heart that we have. This way that we're mysteriously at war with ourselves. And notice what he says. I rejoice in the law of God. I love the law of God. Inside of me, I want the law of God. And as soon as I set my heart on doing the good, a wickedness wakes up inside me. And this pain that he's describing in terms of being unable to simply overcome this on his own is the pain of somebody who's aware of what's going on. Notice what he says, when I set my mind to the good, my flesh resists. Because the world, the flesh, the devil, don't bother us when we cooperate with them. But when we try to act in another way, oh, they let us know that they're there. 
We don't feel the pull of the world as a pull when we're moving along with it. There's no violence there. We just sit back and rest and let the current carry us. But when we move against the current, then we feel it. And we feel how hard it is, how exhausting it is to move upstream. And that even though I want to get upstream, even though I want to climb that steep hill, man, I just need a break and my body just doesn't want to move. Note how honest St. Paul is about the spiritual life. On the one hand, there is this absolute language that he uses so that we understand where we are and what we're dealing with. And now here we have this marvelously different, equally strong, but very personal language that all of these ideals have to be lived in the real world where my disordered inclinations, my flesh, which is so attracted to sin, my mind, which runs off course so easily, can't just be reined in because I snap my fingers and praise the name of Jesus. If only it were that easy, St. Paul is saying. Note, he doesn't say stop trying. He doesn't say I'm going to give up. But he does say this is frustrating. He does say this can beat me down. He does say on my own I can't do this. And so what does he say? Who will deliver me from this mortal body? Who will deliver me from this fallen cluster of inclinations? that grabs a hold of me and doesn't let me go. Thanks be to God who does great things in Jesus Christ. Even as he speaks that way, St. Paul is also saying, but I'm not alone in this. And there is a liberation I still need to look for. There is a freedom I still need to move into. Sin is slavery in a very real way. I want to do good, but this won't let me. I'm a prisoner to it in some way. I'm not surrendering to it. I struggle against the chains, but I still wear the chains. Who will break them? Only Christ. And so note that as St. Paul moves to deeper and deeper maturity, you know, and that's the thing here. This is not me or you saying this. This is St. Paul saying this. And if anybody has a deep, rich, mature spiritual life, it's St. Paul. If anyone who has been, has been acting heroically, even miraculously, for the sake of the gospel, it's St. Paul. This is the guy who was stoned and left for dead for the name of Jesus. This is the guy who has been beaten and flogged for the name of Jesus. 
This is the guy who has planted the church across the Mediterranean. And he's saying this. This giant of the faith, this great hero of the gospel is saying this. Who am I to think it's going to be any different for me? Who am I to think that Christian life is just going to be easy if I have enough faith? When St. Paul himself is saying, as much as I've accomplished, as much as I've given, as much as I've grown, look where I am. This is the flip side of spiritual growth. We suddenly notice sinfulness in ourselves that we missed before. We suddenly notice weaknesses in ourselves that we never knew were there. And the only reason we do is now the light is filling our eyes so much we can finally see clearly. You know, it's like when you have that cluttered room in the house or that basement filled with the clutter of years. You don't even know what's at the bottom of the pile because all you see is the top. And so you begin to work. You move it out. You find things that need to be fixed and repaired. You find things that need to be discarded. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, there's a room down here that I forgot about. And you know, you go into it. And then you discover, and there's a plumbing problem down here that I never knew. <laughs> but I never, you know, and so all of a sudden, oh man. I have a disaster in the house. Well, the disaster's always been there. I just didn't know about it. As we grow spiritually, as we grow morally, as we grow in our faith, as we know ourselves more and more, we discover more for good and for bad. And so at this great height of maturity to which Paul has advanced, there also comes the clarity that says, deep within me, oh my, I just never knew how bad that was. I never knew how persistent that was. And it's in part because I've never, been be I've never worked so hard at being good before. That's not a recipe for giving up. But it is a reminder of the reality. This is why scripture very beautifully, and this was part of the prayer of the church on a regular basis for hundreds of years. There's a marvelous line from the Psalms about who can understand sin from my hidden ones. Save me. And this is what St. Paul is talking about here. There's this hidden law within me, this hidden tendency within me. I don't always know where it hides, but I know it's there. I don't always know when it's going to jump out of the shadows, but I know it's there. And if I'm by myself, it will overwhelm me. But I'm not by myself. And as difficult as St. Paul's language is, there should be a certain comfort for us in that. This recognition that we have to remember that the dramatic, great, and powerful call and claim of the gospel has to be lived in the concrete, disordered reality that we all call ordinary life. 
You know, that's where all of this happens. That's where the great graces need to have their biggest effect. And that's also where it can be most frustrating because we want to advance so quickly. We want to be so much better. We desire so much more. And we set ourselves out to grow spiritually and we get frustrated that we don't become saints in two months. And here's a man who had a, who's been working on it a lot more than two months. And listen to what he's saying. And these are the words of a saint. Let's not forget that. These are not simply the words of a fallen sinner. They are. But they're also the words of a redeemed man who is a saint. In St. Paul's anguished cry of frustration is the voice of the Spirit of God. That same spirit that St. Paul will say in the next chapter of his letter to the Romans forms prayer within us with inexpressible cries and groanings. That's exactly what we have here. This groaning of the Spirit of God through St. Paul's honest statement about what is happening inside of him so that we all can learn and marvel at the ways God's grace can work in us. Because this frustration of St. Paul surfaces his need for Christ, which never goes away. His dependence on Christ, which never goes away. How persistent it is that the world around us wants to enslave us. And how it is that real freedom is given by nothing, by no authority, by no experience, by no reality in this world other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the more he knows his weakness, the same great saint who tells us when I am weak, then I am strong, because when I am weak, then I turn and stand in the strength of God and not my own. Note how beautiful that is. St. Augustine writes, if you would build a castle that would reach to the sky, you begin by going down. Because the deeper the foundation, the higher you can build. And that was his explanation of the power and the greatness of humility. Note the humility, the honest need, the honest assessment of himself that we hear in St. Paul. Note how deep it goes. And consider yourself and your own struggles and your own frustrations. These are not just things that knock us off course. These are actually the things we discover precisely because we are on course. You don't trip over the rock in the way to the kingdom unless you're first moving toward the kingdom. Someone moving away from the kingdom doesn't trip over that rock. You don't get exhausted by climbing the narrow way unless you're first on the narrow way. You don't get tired following Jesus if you haven't been moving behind him in the first place. Note what is hidden in that common frustration that we all know. 
the more I try to follow, the more stuff gets in the way. And if I've run into a lot of this, it means I've been following for a while. And the more I see it, the more I realize that unless I stay with him, I won't just stumble over these things, but these things will fall on me and hold me down. The more I realize it, I realize I need to follow him because he's the only one who can lead me away from them, lead me beyond them, who can keep me safe from them. And the more I realize that, and the more I realize how dependent I must be on him, the deeper I dig, the deeper the foundation of my spiritual castle. And if the foundation is deep, sooner or later as we begin to go up, it can rise very high indeed. What an exquisitely, exquisitely beautiful teaching we have here. There's an awful lot of really bad spirituality and theology that gets taught in popular presentations of Christianity, both Catholic and non-Catholic. And it is often precisely because we don't like to talk about what St. Paul is describing here, that it becomes poor. But the gospel is never fantasy land. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, doesn't give us a way that has no difficulty. He's the one who describes it as narrow and hard. And so this fundamental honesty about what following Christ and life in the gospel is, is a necessary element of a healthy Christian life. It's not that Christian life is joyless or that it is all hardship, frustration, and struggle. But isn't it amazing how often we just want to talk about the joy? We just want to talk about the miracle and the power and the freedom. And yet the victorious joy of the gospel is the joy of the guy like St. Paul who says, you know, a lot of days I really am a mess. But even as I'm beaten down by all of this, I have the joy of knowing him. That's a deep joy. That's a substantial joy. That's a mighty joy. That's where the peace that conquers the world is found. The peace that denies the struggle isn't the peace of the gospel. The joy that is a joy in a victory that cost me nothing is a fairly empty and hollow joy. But the joy of the one whose life is moving in the right direction is a joy that is there even when the present movement is a painful one, a difficult one. St. Paul is reminding us of that, or better, the Holy Spirit through St. Paul is reminding us of that. We'll shift gears in our reading from the Romans tomorrow, and we will move into the magnificent, the absolutely magnificent chapter 8 of St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. Do yourself a favor. 
Go home and just read ahead tonight. Open your Bible to the letter to the Romans, the great letter of St. Paul, because the great part of that letter is chapter 8. It's roughly dead center. And read it. This magnificent reflection on true freedom, this magnificent reflection on life in the spirit, this magnificent reflection on how no earthly hardship can ever separate us from Christ. Everything St. Paul is saying and that we've heard so far builds to that point. Every believer should read that chapter and should know it. It is that powerful and that good. But especially now knowing that it follows after this, after this long discussion about the greatness of Christian life, the dangers to Christian life, and then the, just the frustration that we all know so well. I'm trying, Lord, and I got this thing inside of me that just drags me backwards. I'm trying to go here, Lord, and I got this tug on my arm that yanks me over there and dislocates my spiritual shoulder. But I'm trying, Lord. And the beautiful thing, we who are like that are going to come forward in a couple minutes, and we're going to stretch out our hands to Jesus. And we who are all too aware that we have a law inside of us that disorders us and pulls us away are going to return to our benches and we're going to have not just something, but someone a lot better than that law of sin that lives inside of us. We're going to have him. And we'll remember and we'll know, frustrating as this is, oh, the last thing we are is alone. Amen.